0: Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Chad Hawk with Matt Dowd, and we are Renegade Atlas charting a new path for your life. And Matt, uh, we are venturing gingerly, I would say, into this um, season of politics that we find ourselves in every two years in our country, um, on a national level at least, and every four years for presidential elections. Um, We have we are going to be inviting a number of different people who are running for office in Um, today we're featuring our first mike beeler who is running uh, in kansas for u.s representative and um, this is going to be a a whole different place for renegade atlas because if we can get these people running to talk about their identity then people i think can discover more of who they are and then that can add real texture to who to their campaign and what they're doing
1: so. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, it's, I think it's a great way to approach the idea because I think that so much of our identities are wrapped up in what we believe and these issues that, you know, people get so fervently attached to. Um, if we can start to understand why we feel that way and why we hold so strongly to these things, you know, what it's all based in, yeah. you know, how we view ourselves, how we view the world um man i I think it'd be really eye-opening and um, i'm excited to hear from mike here so mike welcome to the show
0: yeah thank you gentlemen it's a pleasure to be here so mike give us a little bit of your background you were a a civil engineer for many 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 years and you recently retired Um, tell us a little bit about the projects you did and first maybe some people may not even know today what a civil engineer does tell us what you've done well i'd be i'd be thrilled to do that chad you almost made a freudian slip there when you
2: said uh mike's a politician I don't want to be a politician. I know, I know. And I'm striving really hard not to be a politician in this race right now. I've taken the term limits pledge and I'm pledged to give my salary, my entire congressional salary, if I have the honor of being elected, I'm going to give it away to charity, local charities and science, technology, engineering and math because I'm an engineer, right? So what is a civil engineer? We build infrastructure like roads and bridges and and uh dams and water and wastewater facilities. And I worked in the electric utility industry. So my first job out of school as a civil structural engineer was working for Tucson Electric Power Company building big transmission lines. Then I went to the Hawaiian Electric Company building transmission lines again, high voltage transmission lines delivering power from a power plant to a substation to a business or home. And I did it overhead and I did it underground. And then in nineteen ninety five, about twenty five years ago, I had a job offer from Burns and McDonald, right here in the Kansas City area. And I moved my my wife, my college sweetheart. We got married. Let's see, we got we graduated on Saturday, we got married on Monday. Started (laughs) work two weeks later, five months later we're pregnant and you know, then we had four children and you know, so it goes. You're kinda Life changes. Life changes. (laughs) That's right, Matt. So anyway, I got here in 1995 and and, and basically made my fortune. Uh, You know, our campaign is called Equal Opportunity for the American Dream. And my wife and I achieved our version of the American Dream, and we were able to retire back in February of 2019. So I uh, had a great career as an engineer, 40 years as an engineer, and I, I created lots and lots of jobs while I was at Burns and McDonnell, and uh, that's what I'm really offering the voter here in, in, uh, in our community today.
0: So you use the ability to, to build infrastructure as a means to build jobs for thousands and thousands of people when you were doing engineering. Right. The beautiful thing is I, I was very fortunate to sell the first billion
2: dollar project in the electric transmission industry. I was the very first one in the history of the industry. It was a big project up in New England. My boss said, why are you going to New England? I said, well, they're going to build a really big project up there. And, and uh, I think that I can position the company for, f- to, to win the project. And in fact, we did. And people delivered on the promises that I made to the client and the client hired us to do this project. When you spend a billion dollars on a project, you hire 100 engineers, you you stand up an office in that city for five years. That office is still going to this day with probably six or 700 people in it. And the job is long, long done. And you enter into 65 or 70, in the case of that job up in New England, subcontracts for, for civil contractors, electric contractors, real estate services, legal services, hotels, restaurants, steel, concrete, security, traffic control, it ripples through the entire economy. So when we spend $2 trillion on infrastructure in this country now post COVID-19, when I first decided to run, it was about a trillion. Now it's $2 trillion because we have got to rebuild this economy. We have 300,000 Kansans out of work and four, 40 million Americans out of work. So how are we going to get them back to work? What are we just going to keep giving them universal basic income? we keep going to keep writing a government check out of printed money, Matt? Mm-hmm.
0: Or are we going to do something where we actually get a tangible asset out of out of it? So here's my question for you. Why did you become an engineer and how did it Just tell me that. Why did you become an engineer? Did you wake up when you were 16 years old and say, I want to be an engineer? No, as a little boy, I loved playing with trucks and
2: building dams and roads and things like that. And I was always good in math and science. And my dad said, you know, you ought to take a look at civil engineering because you build things. And, you know, as a, I, I like to see things start from concept and go all the way through completion. And that's the way I was wired. Apparently my brother was wired the same way. He's a chemical engineer. And uh, my parents were both teachers, and they gave us the foundation that we needed, and we worked hard, and we were good in math and science. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an exciting thing, Chad, as a man, to find something that you're good at and you're passionate at. And, and that you can make money at. And Jim Collins, who wrote uh, Good to Great, says when those three things come together, that's your sweet spot. That's your what he calls the hedgehog, right. where you're most productive. And I think that's what happened for me in, in my particular career. So what role has your
0: faith played in your life?
2: Okay, that's a great question. I remember when I was a 32-year-old transmission engineer, I, I thought to myself, okay, how does God use a transmission engineer building electric infrastructure you know, maybe I should, maybe I should sell everything and move to Africa, you know, and be a a missionary or something like that. But what I've found as I got older is God is no respecter of persons. Uh, Everybody has a sphere of influence. Um, I had a sphere of influence when I was at Tucson Electric and Hawaiian Electric Company, and even at Burns McDonald. And people came to know that, that, that I was a Christian man. And, uh, and I was sometimes able to do things by my words and by my deeds to, to demonstrate that. And then on top of that, you know what? We as a, as, a, as a country, we need electricity. And providing that electricity, which is the foundation of our economy, that's a good thing. And that can serve God as well. I mean, there's lots of things that you can do in your vocation, in your job that can serve the greater good, if you will. And uh, that's important. It took me a few years guys, to, to figure that out, but uh, but I, I've concluded that. Okay. Um,
0: you, you love this country. I do. Um, what about it do you love? Because I, I'm also in love with the no- notion of the United States. Um, what it means, the idea, it's elusive and right in front of you at the same time, and it's fleeting and ever apparent. So what is it? that makes you somebody who's passionately in love with the idea of the United States? That's a great
2: question. I've been running for Congress now for a long time and nobody's asked that question, Chad. That's a great question. So what do I love about this country? I think it comes down to the freedom and the liberty that I have as a man and as a husband and father and my opportunity to achieve what I describe as the American dream and each of you would define the American dream Differently, and the liberty that we have. So, freedom is my ability to do things. Liberty is my ability to do things without government interference. And so, we have this thing called the Bill of Rights, which gives us a First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, you know, various rights that we have, liberties that we have. And I appreciate that. And I love the history of this country and the roots from which it's come. I love the things that we honor. And that's why it hurts my heart so much when I see some of those things that I do cherish uh, being destroyed in the streets right now with this uh, tyranny that we're seeing in the streets. Statues from famous men and women being torn down, churches being desecrated, uh, uh, the flag being trampled on. I mean, if you've ever watched the Marine Corps, for example, I have a son that's deployed Marine right now. And if you've ever watched the Marine Corps and the way they honor the flag because men and women died and they gave their blood for that flag from everything that it represents. And she says, well, why do you love the country? The country is represented and embodied in that flag and the, and the care they take to properly fold it with reverence and attention to detail and then hand it to the widow of a fallen soldier. It, it, it's, it's very emotional. It's very emotive. And, and when I see people, desecrating the flag. It makes me, it makes me sad. It makes me mad. I want to stand up and rise up and do something. And I'm very grateful right now that I do live in a free country right now where I can run for the United States Congress. And I can talk about the things that I care about in the context of running for Congress. And, uh, those are, those are some of the things I love about my country. I love to be able to say the things that are, that are on my mind without retribution. I love to be able to have the freedom of worship without retribution. I love to be able to start a new business and have the opportunity to grow a business. I love the opportunity. What is it? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Liberty, I've defined life. Obviously, we know what that means. The pursuit of happiness is our ability to own property is, is one way that some people define it. And uh, we have those those rights right now in this country. They're slipping. They're slipping, Chad.
0: So let's talk about that. Um, when you look at the current world of politics and what's occurring today, what rights, which are have been previously enshrined in the Constitution, do you see being tested or pushed on the most? And what does that mean to you? If you were to get to D.C., how do you begin as a freshman representative to get, to correct some of those issues that you're seeing?
2: Right. Well, the rights that that are being infringed upon right now are the First Amendment rights. And under the First Amendment, you have freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of worship, uh, redress of grievances, and freedom of the press. Those are the five components of the First Amendment. And freedom of the press is doing okay. But the rest of those aren't doing so well. I mean, we haven't gone to church. I mean, for the first time in the history of the country, we didn't go to church. Really? Why? What's going on? Redress the grievances. If I can't get within six feet of you, how do I recall this incompetent liberal governor that we have, for example? And the fact is, is that I can't. So we need, to, we need to find a way to get redress of our grievances. Another fundamental right under, under the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is the, is the Fourth Amendment, which is about privacy, data privacy, my biometrical privacy. If all of a sudden we're going to find out that I have to prove that I've been vaccinated for COVID-19 and the proof of that is required before I get in an airplane or I go into uh, the uh, T-Mobile arena or I go to the Kenny Chesney concert or even go to church, Or go to the grocery store, and I have to prove that by producing something, you know, some biometric, that's robbing me of my Fourth Amendment. And I think those two in in particular are at great risk right now. And what can a freshman congressman do? I I don't think they can do a whole lot, frankly, other than lead. Lead. And I think what a freshman congressman can do is he can come back to the district and he can stand up and he can say, we're going to lead this effort and we're going to lead our country back into some fiscal sanity. We're going to lead our country back into uh, protecting our liberties. And if that means to recall this, this incompetent, grossly incompetent liberal Democrat governor, Laura Kelly, that we have, then so be it. Then come back and lead the recall of that governor. And uh, get up and take a stand. And when we're going to stand up for our police, we're going to defend our police, and we're going to stand up for, you know, opening up businesses. And somebody's got to get out in front. As a, there was a radio program on the other day said all these things are coming down, and we're watching it on TV every night. Where are the elected politicians? Where's the elected leader? They're cowering. Yeah, yeah. they're That's- hiding because they're thinking about the next election. You know. Your theme is is identity. My identity, look, I am an open, transparent person. I want you to like me, but I'm going to take some really strong stands like you've not seen before in the United States Congress, and that's going to make some people nervous. But I'm going to take the strong stands because I'm 61 years old, and I am not running for any other office. I am not a professional politician we're starting to talk about. Permanent professional politicians that profit from public service. I call it the five Ps. And I'm sick of people like that. I'm sick and tired of of weak need milk toast politicians that stand for nothing, say for nothing. They turn out to be more of a part of the problem and not part of the solution. I intend to go and United States Congress and be part of the solution, and the solution is holding these politicians accountable for their incompetent decisions—the decisions that rob me of my liberty and take it away. And you know what? When we recall the governor, guess what? That's a that's a newsflash to this board of county commissioners and to the to the man that runs the. Uh, the, the healthcare in the county and and maybe a couple of city councilmen. It's like, you know what you guys stop taking our liberty away or we'll recall you next and we're going to run somebody against you straight away.
0: So here, here's where I like to turn things around, make it very personal. You walking around the community, meeting people one-on-one. Okay. Getting to know the individual. What do you tell the individual? that motivates or inspires or causes them to move on to the ideas of freedom, the ability to become uh, uh, an affluent capitalist, potentially, if they can, right? If they can earn their way, if they can find an entrepreneurial spirit and attach it, what do you do to inspire people to get them to go that direction and take responsibility versus top-down leadership? How about leadership from the individual up? Okay, Chad, that is a great point.
2: My whole campaign is called Equal Opportunity for the American Dream. It's built around infrastructure, innovation, and inclusion. And part of my innovation is how we prepare to be competitive in the world marketplace, specifically against the Chinese, who have a stated goal of being the world's economic and military power by 2049. Now, that's going to impact all of us, maybe me to a lesser extent, but our children and grandchildren, if we don't figure this out, they're going to be speaking Chinese And I'm not saying that to be flippant. I mean, this is very serious. The Chinese are very good at what they do. So what are we going to do? And I've already told you that I'm going to donate my congressional salary to local charities into science, technology, engineering, the arts and math in our local schools. And that is to double down on some pretty good schools we have here, double down on what is gonna make us competitive in the future. Why the arts? Because the arts help us be more creative. They develop the innovation in the human intellect. And so we're gonna do that. And then we're gonna give them a vision of the future. Maybe the vision is that we're gonna follow the president's lead and we're gonna to go to the moon in 2024. We're gonna put the next man and the first woman on the moon in 2024. That's a vision. You know, Without a vision, my people perish. That's an Old Testament proverb. And we're talking about the Sunflower Corridor where we've got this munition plant out there. And then when we get that cleaned up in four years, we can make a sustainable, smart city out of that that will attract high-paying jobs to this area with, that has so many good things going for it, like great work ethic, great quality of life. We're at the crossroads of America. We could bring, we could bring great jobs right here and keep our children challenged. So... I'm getting ready to answer your question. We give our grandchildren and our children a vision. We give them the tools. Then Chad, they have to decide. Are they going to come out of their mother's basement where they're playing video games and do the hard work to achieve their version of the American dream? I can't decide that for them. Matt, you can't decide that for them. They have to make that decision. But if they do, we'll give them the tools. We'll give them the vision. And they can go do great things and achieve the American dream, whether that means a little white picket fence, you know, and coming home every night and coaching your kid's T-ball team, or whether that means, you know, getting a second job so that your child can go to college for the first time in the history of your family or whatever that means. You know, it's your definition of the American dream. So So it's vision. It's vision.
0: What do you think are the opportunities and the trials, and we'll stick specifically to Kansas, even even though this goes all over the world, in Kansas, what are the opportunities and what are the the trials or the, the barriers that we have in our society right here today? So
2: I think the opportunities are going back to rebuilding this economy. If we don't get our economy rebuilt back to the way it was in January and February, when the market was soaring to almost 30,000 on the Dow, everybody's 401k was looking good. People were thinking about going on spring break. People's children were in school. We were getting excited for Easter service. The Chiefs had just won the Super Bowl. The Royals are getting ready to open up. Unemployment across all sectors, the economy was record low. And until we get back to something like that, it's hard to say, what are we gonna do next? I mean, we can't start to address the other things that we need to address here locally. We've gotta get the 300,000 Kansans that don't have a job that are collecting money from the government, which would be called essentially universal basic income, which is socialism on trial we've got to get that economy fixed and then we can start to address other challenges in the community how are we going to educate our children how are we going to provide healthcare you know what are we going to do about you know a master plan for so the
0: community specifically what do you do or what can a politician or somebody who's a representative do to help our local economy what's the boots on the ground strategy for making that happen. You know, does that mean you have to rally employers? Yes, it means you, what does that actually mean? So somebody said, Mike, what would be the first bill that
2: you would introduce if you made it to the United States Congress? And that bill would be part of the funding mechanism, whatever that fund, and that'll be a matter of huge debate. I'm not, I'm not a tax raiser, I'm more a fan of domestic public private partnerships to fund $2 trillion worth of worth of infrastructure. But a bill that we would tag onto that would be that one tenth of 1% of that federal dollar would go into science, technology, engineering, and math. And I'm going to lead by example because my salary is going to go into science, technology, engineering, and math and, and local charities. And, and so we're going to put that into these big companies so that when Black and Veatch or Kiwit or J.E. Dunn, these major employers in our community, when they win their billion dollar project, a million dollars, that's 1%, one tenth of one percent, a million dollars goes into the STEM program of their choice into Blue Valley, into DeSoto, into Wyandotte County schools like Washington High School. That's going to that's going to move that that's going to start to move the needle. That's going to that's that's the kind of
0: real innovative way of funding our public education.
2: Well, it adds to an already pretty good public education system. And we've got we've got good teachers. I mean, if if a a young person wants to get a great education at our schools right now and they're going to do the hard work and they're going to take the AP classes, they can be very well prepared for college. But, you know, some might say, you know, I don't want to go to college. Not everybody needs to go to college. College is expensive these days, and I don't want to come out with a whole bunch of debt. I think I want to go to trade school, or I think I want to become a lineman at Evergy and, and do that, or I want to go join the fire department out in uh, in uh, Spring Hill. All sorts of things that people can do that don't necessarily require a college education and coming back saddled with a bunch of debt and, and learning some things as we're finding out that, you uh, you know, if you're not getting a technical degree in college and you're taking psych and sociology and things like that, you're coming out and you don't love our country anymore. Now, that's a pretty broad characterization, but we see a lot of people in the streets right now, and they're not—they're not standing up for Black lives that matter. They're standing up for, no, they're not standing up at all. They're tearing down. That's what they're doing. They're tearing down and they're burning, and and uh, that's got to stop.
1: Well, that kind of leads me into the thing I was thinking about, which is how would you address, you know, those people in those communities who maybe don't feel like they have been able to participate in the American dream? You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Like whether they just maybe feel excluded for whatever reason, what would be your message to them?
2: Well, I think I think a rising tide raises all boats, but what is the message to them? The message is if you're willing to do the hard work, we're going to give you a vision. We're going to give you the tools. You're going to have to step up and do the hard work. Do you need a mentor? Do you need some guidance? We'll find ways to get that done. Junior achievement would be a great way to do it or or perhaps one of these companies that that has a million dollars to spend on their choice of science technology engineering the arts and math maybe they say we're going to put that into we're going to put that into tutors in math to help these young men and women in the middle school or the high school and give them the opportunity at the end of the day people are going to have to work hard mm-hmm. we're building a wall on the southern border because tens of thousands of people that want to work really hard want to come to our country and have a shot at the american dream so what i'd say to people that are already here is we're building a wall to protect your jobs, and to protect your opportunity from tens of thousands of people that want to come here and and have what you've got. You have that opportunity now. I can't make you take the opportunity, but I can certainly present the opportunity. I can give you a vision for the future. I can give you some of the tools. You'll have to decide, are you going to do it? You live in the freest country in the history of the world on the planet right now in twenty twenty. What are you gonna do with the opportunity? This is your time. You know what, this time may be fleeting. This election's coming down to radical socialism, which we're getting a taste of right now, Matt, mm-hmm. versus free market capitalism. This is your time, it is your decision to make at the ballot box in November, and you better elect some of the right people in on August 4th here in this Kansas primary that understand that this is your time, and this is your opportunity. You may never have this chance ever again.
0: Do you have any way of perhaps accounting for some apathy that's present in our culture today? Apathy in growth or development, um, expectations for what people have is kind of that's kind of where exactly
1: I'm, where my mind was going too. Is like what's fueling this move towards the you know I guess the anti-American sentiment. If you're thinking of like the classic view of America, like liberty and equality, opportunity, the ability to work hard, right? It seems like there's a movement in a very different direction. So yeah,
2: yeah. I was talking to a young man. He's 38 years old, and and he said, "Mike, I've been doing everything right." And you Republicans, I mean, I mean, we Republicans, is basically blaming my generation for ripping off his generation. He says, we Republicans better figure this out because Bernie Sanders is talking to people in my generation and he was 38 years old and they're listening. He said, look, since 2001, before 9-11, if I invested in the stock market, in the Vanguard S&P 500 through March 23rd, 2020, after COVID-19 hit. You know what my average rate of return was in the stock market with dividend reinvestment? 3.82%. He says, we're getting killed. We're doing all the right things. We're voting Republican. We're in the market. We're investing. We're paying off our student loans still. And we're getting screwed. We're, We're not getting ahead. What you talk about when you talk about free market capitalism? A lot of people in my generation call that crony capitalism. You know what? That's a wake up call for the Republican Party, and they better figure it out. And I'll tell you why that happened. But just just to say that his he said his generation is listening to Bernie Sanders. When Bernie right. Sanders says, "I'll give you free health care," "I'll give you free college tuition," "I'll forgive your student loans." And maybe you do like this universal basic income because if you don't have a job, maybe you lose your job because of artificial intelligence, which is coming at us hard and fast right now. Yeah. And it's going to take jobs away from people. Just go to the grocery store and see how, how you can check out of the grocery store with a with a kiosk instead of a real person. Jobs are going to disappear and people might be living on universal basic income. So they're listening to Bernie Sanders. Yep. So what do we as Republicans need to do? We've got to stop electing these these stand-for-nothing, milk-toast, weak need Republicans in name only. They're called rhinos, Republicans in name only that stand for nothing. They end up becoming part of the problem and not part of the solution because what they care about? They care about what the press says about them. They care about they're positioning for that next office. They kind of like making $175,000 a year and getting all these benefits. They like getting accolades from the press. They like getting invited to the Beltway parties. That's not me. You want to know identity? You want to know who I am? I don't care what they say in the in, on the Beltway. What I care about is what your listeners think. I care about that. I care about these people out here. At the end of the day, I love people. And I care about what people think. But what the press thinks, what the Beltway Party people think, I don't, I don't give a flip. I'm going to go to Congress, and I'm and I'm going to be a different kind of congressman. We elect enough people like that, Matt. We'll move the needle. We, as a Republican Party, will move the needle. We kept we keep electing the same old milk toast.
0: Stand well, I've got a question for you on that. right there. How do you expect any party, because you have the socialists who are dramatically trying to shift the Democrat Party extreme left socialists trying to change the Democrat party. You've got a diluted group of Republicans leading the Republican party. How can either party do anything with what they have going on in each party right now? Okay. That's a very
2: fair question actually. And I'd say this COVID-19 ought to be a wake up call and ought to be a news flash to people. It's like, uh, okay, do I really trust government? Do I really trust these people that come up with hundreds of thousands of dollars to pour in a campaign? Where does that money really come from and what influence? And you know, we've known that for a long time, but I'm thinking more and more people are starting to realize that, you know what? There was no reason to impeach the president. This is just all political. You know what? What I'm seeing going on, and, and, and my politicians are not standing up for stopping the tyranny in the streets. My politicians can't even figure out what to do with the COVID-19. They've shut down my business. They've destroyed my family business that it took me decades, decades to develop. And, and then don't give a flip. I mean, you got AOCKC bragging about saving a thousand federal jobs when 300,000 Kansans are out of work on Main Street. Come on. Be for be for real. Did I think you say enough A-L-C-K-C? people. AOCKC. <laughs> that's Sharice Davids. You know that AOCKC. I'm sorry, I just don't it.
0: follow the news much. Yeah. But I get it. It's yeah. just kind of funny.
2: It's it. I think enough people, Matt and Chad, are are figuring this out. Will it be enough? Time will tell. You know. Ultimately, we get the government we deserve. I think Ben Franklin said uh, came out of. Uh, came out of the state house in Philadelphia, and they said, uh, Mr. Franklin, what have you done? Well, we've created a uh, democratic republic, if you can keep it. Mm -hmm. And we're in in a battle right now to keep this democratic republic, and, and everybody gets a vote. And the problem is, people want a democracy, not a republic. Well... A democracy is 50% plus one, and they tried that in Egypt, and uh, doesn't you know, work, it didn't doesn't work very doesn't well. It doesn't work too well. did not work very yeah. well. So a democratic republic is a different thing. Two things we could do, gentlemen, to, to solve that. We could get rid of gerrymandered districts, which is a state-by-state issue. This third congressional district that we're in right now is not really gerrymandered, but there are some gerrymandered districts that look like a dragon with a head and a tail and some yeah. feet, and and that keeps Democrats and, frankly, Republicans in a safe seat for their entire life. Yep. That's wrong and that's not what our founders had in mind, but that's a state by state issue. And then the other thing is term limits. And we need people to say, you know, you're term limited out. You got to get out. When Maxine Waters has been in Congress for 47 years, okay, that's about that's about 45 years too long for her. And uh, we we've got it. We've just got to end that. But we just can't do that in Kansas and not have it happen in Massachusetts or California because then we we lose. Right. seniority. It's got to right. be a federal federal law that that we're going to set term limits. And I've signed that term limits pledge and the pledge to donate my my salary. I'm the only one that's done both of those things in this in this uh, congressional primary that we're in right now on August the
0: fourth. Well, you have. Um made so much time for us today. We appreciate that. Um, It's what we would love for our listeners to do is post questions, right? Post them here on our Facebook page, Renegade Atlas, and then go to our website, therenegadeatlas.com and and post the questions. And Mike, I've got your contact information. If there's some great questions that come through, I'll forward them your way and we'll go back on the air and answer them. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Um, But we do appreciate you making time for this today, Matt. Any Thoughts I, or, I was just
1: wondering, like, is there any last thing you'd like to say before that we didn't maybe ask you? You know, that's on your mind that you want to talk about or share.
2: Well, we're going to have a debate tomorrow night, and I'm looking forward to the to the uh, debate here in Johnson County. And uh, in thinking about what I'm going to say in the debate, it's it's I'm going to really focus on this may be our last best shot in November. This election's coming down to free to, to basically radical tyrannical socialism that we're seeing played out in the streets right now versus free market capitalism under the the liberty of the constitution and people are going to have to decide what do they want it's your decision it is your time right now especially young people man it's your time don't make a mistake you know take this as an opportunity and go vote for the right kind of people and let's get this country back on track again and help the president make america great again again
0: all right thank you very much for joining us we do appreciate it and everybody please do share these episodes on your social media accounts and just invite friends to listen the only way we get listeners is by you doing that and uh don't forget to uh check out our sponsors shenandoah joa Shen- jo- no, Sen- jo- jo. pretty close <laughs> something well, like shenandoah that jo- Shenandoah joe Go- Sen- jo- Go- Go- my coffee. goodness <laughs> COVID-free coffee. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Shenandoah Joe Coffee. Um, Dave and Christy Fafara have been making it for years and years and years. Use the promo code RENEGADE so we, you support our show by ordering coffee from Shenandoah Joe. Thank you so much, everybody. And you be blessed and have an amazing day.